I'd ask you to open your Bibles this morning with me to the Old Testament book of Exodus as we're going to be in chapter 20 this morning and continuing on a sermon series as we're looking at the Ten Commandments. But we're actually going to change the focus of our sermon series over the next six weeks to a very specific focus and a very specific series called God's Original Prescription for Relationships. As I've mentioned to you over the last few weeks as we've studied the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments is actually broken up into two separate parts. The first part, we have the first four commandments that is God telling us and teaching us how to have a relationship with Him. The second six commandments is God's first instructions and first directions and commandments to his people on how to have relationships with each other. That's where we're going to start our study today. In these next six commands, we're going to see that that God lays down the benchmark for a healthy family, that he lays down the benchmark for a healthy society, for a healthy people that continue to bring healthy people to the Lord. If we were to whittle down the Bible and just bring it down to its, the contents that, that focuses on our relationships, we would find these rules and these six commandments as the very basis. We, we would find that, it would, that we would learn how to relate with one another, how to live with one another, how to respect each other, how to encourage each other. And, and, and how to grow with each other in the spirit of Christ. And although these six simple rules seem like a very small list, they're going to encompass so much that we come in contact with every day. They're going to encompass things like our family. They're going to, to, to show us our community, how to, how to manage life with our neighbors, They're going to tell us the importance of protecting life. We're actually going to learn how honesty is a major part of our our societal relationships with each other. And we're going to see things like prohibitions against theft that really become a a trademark of our society and, and, and really show us These are things that God gave his people to say, this is how I want you to live with one another. This morning, we're going to see that God begins his list of guidelines and his list of relationship rules with a very important command to us. It's actually very important, and it's so important that God put this command at the top of his list Yes, it's number five of the Ten Commandments, but it's number one of the second six of where we're focusing on our relationship with other people. I'm not going to lie to you. As a society, and especially as a Western society, we are not good at following this first prescription for relationships. Every single one of these six commands that is directing our earthly relationship, all of the other ones are going to be built upon this one. It is the foundation. It requires somebody else to come before you 
And in our culture, we don't do that very well. The fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments, and the first that we're going to study in this series looking at God's prescription for relationships, is this. It's Exodus chapter 20, verse number 12. It says, Honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is given you. A lot of times we might hear this sermon or hear this verse brought up in the context of maybe a Sunday school class. Every Sunday school teacher has taught this verse to the kids. And we've taught it to the kids in the, uh, under the umbrella of obeying your parents and it's not that that's incorrect. It's not. But it's not the original intent of this verse. There were no little kids sitting around in a circle when Moses came down off Mount Sinai waiting for him to give a lesson and then hand them a handful of goldfish and a sippy uh, juice box. That really wasn't the, the way that this was handed down. There was no intention of teaching kids that you got to keep your room clean and, and, and make your bed and pick up your shoes and pick up your toys and make sure you feed the dog and do your homework and, and practice your piano and vacuum the floors. It, it wasn't originally a children's lesson. The fifth commandment has to do with honoring your parents. And the audience of this first message, of, of the first time that this would have been brought to the nation of Israel, was a nation of parents. This original message was not for kids. It was for you and I. This command was given to adults. Because honor has to start somewhere. This morning... We're not going to spend a lot of time looking at the original Hebrew of the words in this verse. We're not going to spend a lot of time uh, focused on the, 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 the deep dive into the uh, biblical background of this story. But rather, we're going to look at broken relationships. We're going to focus on the relationships that we have with our moms and our dads in our world. This morning, we're going to answer this question. How can I honor parents who have wronged me? If you grew up in a broken home, and I'm going to define, for, for the sake of this this morning, I'm going to define broken home as any home that you may have grown up in that, was not, that, you, that you were not mothered by your biological mother and fathered by your biological father from birth until the time that you moved out of the house. Anything other than that, we're going to look at as, as a broken home. And I don't want you to feel bad about that at all because it, it's, it's, it's not your fault. We want to look at this and see that that was God's original intent for the family was for a, a mother and a father, a, a woman and a man, to marry and conceive and bear children and then raise them into adulthood together. Does the Bible have direction for step-parents? Yeah. Does, does the Bible have direction for grandparents who raise their grandchildren? Yeah. Does the Bible have a plan for parents who adopt? Yeah. There, there are... There are principles that we can follow in these categories, but the foundational relationship of the family begins with the relationship between parents and their children regardless of age. 
there was a minister who once asked a group of children in a Sunday school class, he says, why do you love God? And the, the children in Sunday school class gave him a bunch of different answers, but the one that he liked the most was from a boy who said, well, I guess it just runs in our family. Because he was taught. Not many of us come from a home where we were raised our entire childhood from our biological mother and our biological father. But we see that as being a trademark of the family. And we see that as God still saying to us, honor your father and your mother. Instead, in our nation, we've told ourselves that a family can be whatever you want a family to be, that we can actually change the definition of a family. We could change the, the definition of a, of a marriage. We can take out all of God's directions that he's put into a family, and we can just make it whatever we want to. And if we look around our world today, I think we can realize that it's not difficult to see the damage that has been done to our relationships because somewhere along the line, we decided to eliminate God's rules and insert man-made customs and acceptances as we, as, as we have rewritten the, the idea of, of family into something that really has no meaning anymore. And I want you to know that the deterioration, it doesn't start with you and I. It started a long time ago. It started when we took God out of schools. It started when we took God out of households. And when prayer came out of our daily attention within our families, when God was reduced to one hour on Sunday mornings, when God was no longer the center of our family of our household, and even worse yet, when God was no longer in our households. See, it's going to take generational change to repair the damage that past generations have done to the family structure. And I want to make this very clear. That generational change to repair the damage to our family structures, it does not start with the next generation. No, it starts with us. This commandment to honor your father and your mother is not a commandment for your children. It is a commandment for you. It is a commandment for me. This morning I'm going to give you four points and you'll find these in your sermon notes. And I hope these make it easier to, to realize our ability to honor our parents who have wronged us. Maybe it's a dad who was never there. Maybe it was a mom who gave you up as a, as a child who walked away. Maybe it was a parent who was physically abusive or maybe mentally unstable or spiritually erratic. It, there's some problem in this relationship, and we're not going to fix it today. We're just going to look at that broken relationship, and we're going to look at God's command to honor and see how we can be obedient to God's word. So let's look into this difficult command as we focus on honoring our father and our mother. 
The first principle is this, and the first point in your notes this morning. For those of you joining us for the first time, you can find our sermon notes. They're on our website. About halfway down, you'll find a box that says sermon notes. Click on that. You can print this out and, and, uh, and follow along with us. Point number one in your notes this morning is this. To honor somebody does not demand that we love them. Now, are we going to have much deeper relationships with people who we love? Yeah, we are. But is the fifth commandment telling us to love our mother and our father? No, that's not what it's saying. And I know what you're saying right now. You're saying, Pastor, doesn't the Bible say that we need to love everybody and and that God is love? And doesn't Paul talk about the need to love our parents? And doesn't Jesus say to love our neighbor as ourselves? And yes, all of that is true. But we're not studying the words of Jesus right now. We're not studying the words of Paul right now. Right now, we are studying God's original prescription for relationships. And when God gave these rules to the nation of Israel, when he gave them to his people, this was his first rule of relationships. Not only is that the first rule of relationships, it's the first rule and commandment of relationships that's recorded for us in the Bible. Now, I don't want anyone to be calling up mom this afternoon and saying, Mom, I don't have to love you. That's what the pastor said, and and then hanging up the phone. Don't want you to do that. We are to honor our mother and our father. To honor is the the Hebrew word uh, kavid. It it means to recognize the weight, to recognize the importance, the the reverence and the respect of, of actually the word is used of both parents and of God. The reverence and respect that we would give to God, the Old Testament's using the same word to say we should be giving that same type of reverence to our parents. A heaviness a weightiness. Love, though, in the English language, love could have so many different meanings, right? So many different definitions. There's one definition of love that would say in English, I would do anything for this person because I have such a deep emotional connection to them and I love them so much. But some of us don't have that type of feeling for our parents. In this command, remember, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. We're not studying the Ten Suggestions. We're studying the Ten Commandments. God is not telling us to deeply and affectionately love our mother and father, but He is commanding us to honor them. Some people right now are thinking that, they're thinking, my parents don't deserve honor because... They've mistreated me so much that honor is outside what I will ever give them. That's going to lead us to three ways that we're going to write down that we can honor our parents who we don't necessarily love, who we don't have a very good relationship with. And these three points should help us in maneuvering the hurt and focusing on the obedience needed to live by God's rules and His prescriptions. See, honor is not an emotion built on selfishness, but rather it's a duty built on obedience. The first way that we can honor our parents who we have a hard 
relationship with, our parents who have wronged us, is going to be point number two in your notes. Honoring those who have wronged us starts by giving grace. What is grace? We've studied this before. Grace is unmerited favor. It's looking upon somebody in a positive light that somebody did not earn. They didn't do anything to earn your mindset about them now, but you are looking at them in a positive light. Many people can look at their parents and say, well, my parents or my mother or my father, they haven't earned my respect. Uh, they, They were gone. They cared more about drugs or maybe they cared more about their other kids or maybe they cared more about their their other wife or maybe they cared more about somebody else. They didn't show me any love. They haven't earned anything in my eyes. And see, that's exactly what grace does. Grace gives somebody favor that they did not earn. It gives them favor that maybe they don't deserve. Do you know that that's how God works? You and I are saved by grace through faith. The only way, the only way that you and I get to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus is because of the grace of God. He shows you and I unmerited favor. We didn't earn it. We couldn't earn it. We are not good enough to earn God's favor. If you and I are banking our eternity on our ability to do good works, our ability to be good enough, or the feeling that we might be good enough, good enough someday, if that's what you, the ticket that you're riding into heaven, I'm sorry, you're terribly mistaken. You will never be good enough to get into heaven on your own without God's grace. You don't deserve to come into the presence of God based on what you have earned. I don't deserve to come into the presence of God. What we have earned by our best behavior is not good enough because there is sin in our behavior. Even if the sin is small, you can't bring it into God's presence. The wages of sin... Think about wages. That's what you earn. I want you to think about your paycheck. What you earn, your hourly wage of sin, is death. That's what we deserve. That's what we have earned. The only way we come into the presence of God is by recognizing His grace, that He gives you favor that you did nothing to earn. Your mother or father who you can't stand, who you haven't spoken to, is never going to be able to do anything to earn enough favor in your heart to bring them back into your pleasure. If you're waiting for your parent, maybe your mom who wronged you or your dad, if you're waiting for them to work their way into your life forever, it's probably not going to happen. Because your standards are probably so high that that person cannot achieve the values that you have set for them who wounded you to allow them to permanently become part of your life. That's the same standard that God uses for you and I. We can't make it. 
except by God's grace. The only way that we come to live with God is through his grace that he gives us, an unmerited favor. Honoring those who have wronged us starts by giving grace. This relationship does not heal without grace. Grace is not love. Grace is not forgiveness. Grace is not condoning what somebody has done. Grace is not giving somebody what they earned. Grace is not fair. Fair means you get the same thing as everyone. Fair means you get what you earned. Grace is not fair. Grace is better than fair. The second step in healing this relationship is this. To honor somebody who has wronged us, we must be willing to forgive before even being asked. You and I, we come to the presence of God, and the closer that we get to Him, the deeper our recognition is that we have wronged Him, that we have assaulted Him, that, that we have chosen the bottle over him, that, that we have profaned his name, that we have worshipped other gods, that, that we have built idols, that we realize that in God's eyes we've committed spiritual adultery, and in God's eyes we have abandoned our spiritual family. In God's eyes, we haven't done a very good job of teaching our children about him. We've fallen short. We've missed the mark because we're foolish and we're selfish. But God is willing to forgive us. And God will forgive us. And we are promised in the Bible that, that he will forgive us. But not only when we ask for forgiveness. See, that's not the point here. God is willing to forgive you before you even ask. There is a willingness to forgive you. How willing are we to forgive a mother or father who has wronged us in the past? How willing are we? I'm not asking, have you forgiven them? I'm simply asking, how willing are you to forgive them? Sometimes in our society, we manage these relationships with anger. We, we manage these relationships with revenge. That's, that, that, that's our response that's our natural response. I want you to see what the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Rome. In Romans, we're in chapter 12, verses 17. He says, Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Verse 21, Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Forgiveness isn't easy. And today I'm not asking you to forgive. I'm simply asking you to be willing to forgive. There's sometimes we're not even to that point. Forgiveness is so far down the road. And we haven't even come to the bridge of willingness. This morning I ask you to cross the bridge of willingness. Selfishness, that's how we got here in the first place. We cannot expect the most selfish 
people in our lives to accomplish the most selfless act of asking for forgiveness. It would be nice, but chances are it might never happen. Are we told to wait to offer forgiveness until they ask? See, we need to be willing to forgive before they even ask. Here's the fourth point in your notes this morning, and the third way that we can honor our parents who we don't love. We must show our mother and father honor and respect for the sake of our children. It's a cycle. Your children watch you. Your children listen to you. How you honor your father and your mother are examples that you're setting for your children on how they are to honor you. Parenting and setting an example is a real thing, and it's a big deal. Our culture seems to have relinquished parenting to a handful of apps. So how do we give our parents who we don't really love how do we manage that relationship so to be a good example to our children? Maybe it's as simple as prohibiting words of anger and disrespect towards our parents in the company of our children. What images are we presenting of our parents to our children? I'm not saying to go and lie to your kids and, and paint a picture of bunnies and sunflowers. We can, however, eliminate the vocal poisonous darts that we toss at our disgraced father. We can eliminate the names and the, and the anger that we show towards the mother who walked away. It might be hard, but we need to dig for those small truths, those small positives in our relationship with our parents that we could recognize can we recognize that the mother who left us when we were so young, that she did, she did bring us to term. She did bless us with life. Can we honor her for that? Sometimes saying something good about somebody is simply not saying something bad. We could honor somebody simply by the way we teach others to honor somebody. The honor system was originally built as a method for the elderly to be taken care of in the society by their children and then their adult children. There was always a grandmother living at the house. We see that in many, many other cultures, not so much in our westernized culture. But in other cultures, there is definitely this idea that the elderly are to be honored and are to be taken care of. Its intent is to honor their father and mother. This morning, however, we're not, we're not looking to repair all of the damage that's been done. We're not going to solve all of the world's problems this morning. We're not going to solve all of these relationship problems this morning. We not, might not be ending this sermon and you calling up mom and dad and saying, hey, I know you're old. Come and move in with me right now. I, I doubt we're going to get to that point. But should we be able to teach our children that it is important to honor our parents 
because someday they are to be honoring you? I think that's a way that we can honor our parents. I want you to read with me from Proverbs chapter 22, verse number 6. It says, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Proverbs chapter 20, verse number 7 says this, the godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children who follow them. There is such a deep importance to properly teaching our children about God. And if we're going to teach our children about God, we need to be teaching our children how God has told us to treat other people. This command is the very first command of relationship direction that God has given us. Honor your father and mother. The, author, the, the honoring of our father and our mother is where we start. It's the beginning of God's prescription for relationships. It's the first rule. We don't start our Relationship 101 course by learning how to get along well with our friends, with our girlfriends, with our co-workers, with our neighbors. No, we start our Relationship 101 course by learning how to honor our parents. You might have been raised by your grandmother. Maybe your grandmother is one that you look at as mom. Does your grandmother deserve honor? Absolutely. But does biological mom deserve honor? Does she deserve honor? I don't know. See, the Bible never asks us to measure how much worth our parents have earned in our hearts in order to give them the honor that they are due. The Bible simply commands us to do it. It simply commands us to honor them. So if we're asking the question, does my biological mom or my biological dad deserve honor? We're asking the wrong question. Because it's not a question of if. It's actually a statement. And the statement is honor your father and mother. We don't, some parents say, you know what, I'm not going to teach my parents, I'm not going to teach my children the same thing that I learned when I was a kid because growing up, we didn't follow biblical principles at my house and I want my kids to learn biblical principles so I'm going to teach them differently than the way I was taught. And see, when, when we do that, when we say, I want a better spiritual life for my children than I was raised in, what we have had to do is humble ourselves to understand that our upbringing may have actually been wrong. We have to humble ourselves to know that that time of hurt because our parents left, that I have to teach my kids that their reaction has to be different than mine was. It's humbling ourselves in that moment of hurt because of a parent who didn't tell us that they loved us enough. It's humbling ourselves in a time of hurt because parents who spent more time with their other children or in their other marriage than they did with us, it's humbling our hearts. It takes humbling ourselves from that anger that we might have in order to step away from that anger that we have for a parent. Maybe it's a parent that, that would manipulate 
in the household. It takes humbling ourselves to honor a parent who we struggle to love. This morning, I have asked Chantel to join me, and she's going to be here in just a moment. You know Chantel. She brings us our announcements. And here in a moment, we're going to sit down and talk to Chantel because she has a story, and your story might be similar to this. I want you to stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Chantelle is joining us here, and we're going to talk about her childhood and her relationship with her dad, because you might have a, sto a story that's similar to hers. Chantelle, tell me about your upbringing and your relationship with your dad when you were young. So my re relationship with my dad is kind of small. <laughs> Um, we didn't have much of a relationship. I spent the majority bulk, bulk of the time of my childhood with my mom. And the time that I can remember being with him, he was very absent or he was very abusive or uh, just really just not there, period. I mean, I spent probably a year with him uh, due to some events that I spent with mostly my uncles, with my grandparents. I uh, didn't really spend with my dad. And the time that I did spend with him, like I said, he was, it was seeing things that I, didn't, I shouldn't have seen at nine years old, eight years old, seven years old. So he wasn't really around. He wasn't uh, in the picture. He didn't call. I don't remember spending vacations with him. None of those things. We didn't really talk. What, what type of feelings through your... Um through your childhood and into your teenage years, what was your feelings towards your dad? Um, my feelings towards my dad were very blank. <laughs> if I could, if I could in, insert word there, um, it was crappy. Uh, I did not love uh, my attention span to anything that would come across with my dad. Um, anything that my mom would like talk about or he would even try to come and say something or show up for a birthday or anything like that when I got older. Uh, I was very, just, I didn't really care for it. It didn't matter. Um, it was like looked at as another person who just popped up and showed up and left and came uh, whenever they wanted or there was no feeling. There was no emotion. There was no bond. That's probably the biggest word. Was there anger? Oh, yeah. There was a lot of anger. There was so much anger that I think I had pointed it towards God. Um, it, it affected my relationship with God because I you know, you see the two, and it just kind of diminished anything that I had believed in as a child growing up to my teenage years. And, yeah, I carried on for a while until my adult adulthood. There was a time in your late teenage years or early 20s when you consciously made the uh, a decision yeah. to change the relationship. Huh. Tell me a, a little bit about... Uh, what life was like before that change and what led to that change? So life before that, in regards to my father? Yes. Um, non-existent, uh, at least with him. Um, you know, I came to Christ and I was really hurt and sad and frustrated and angry with the things that my dad had put me through. Um, and... It affected me in such a way that I didn't really care about a lot of things, not just God or my father or whatnot. 
Um, so before I had made a conscious decision, it was more or less just, an, I don't care. I don't care about you. I didn't care a lot about, not a lot about people. I've always cared about people, but in, in a sense where a father figure would give you that, give you and teach you respect, how to respect people, how to respect your bosses, how to respect your teachers, any of that thing, those things that you would gain in that relationship, um, even how to love or be loved by another man. Um, all of those things were out the window. And it wasn't until you know I met my husband, Jerry, and all that kind of stuff. But in between our relationship and my kids growing up, I had sisters that were with them that I didn't meet, uh, didn't hang out with, didn't talk to, I had no relationship with. Um, it really started to create in my mind a sense of this isn't right, no matter what. And I took the first steps. I took the first steps to calling and trying to just really create a relationship with my sisters and my brother. And it wasn't until, I don't know, maybe two years after I'd made that decision to do that, where I started to feel like I needed more of a relationship with him because I had had a really emotional, <laughs> a God moment with God where he had told me he'd always been there for me, but that my dad was still my dad and that I really needed to respect and honor him for what it was that he was, no matter his faults and wrongs and everything. And so I created a conversation with my dad. I started actually like trying to get involved in the things that he was doing, trying to be about what he was about, even though we had none of the same interest. <laughs> um, or like if I was in trouble, I'd call on him. And that was something that I would never have done. I would have called everybody else if I couldn't get a hold of my mom. And it was just trying to create a, some type of relationship, some type of bondship, something. And I think at that point I had probably already forgiven him, but I'd never actually said the words out loud or wrote it down or actually had any feeling with it. And I did. I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to forgive and I'm going to just do this. I'm not going to even tell him that I forgave him. I'm just going to do it and we're just going to continue on. And I remember what really made the difference for me in my heart was knowing that I made that decision and then seeing the fact that God moved on that behalf and created a relationship in, or created a feeling in his heart that wanted more of a relationship with me and my kids and my husband and to just be involved. And he had apologized and like, it was, it was really interesting because he just called me one day and was like, I just had to apologize to you for all these things. And he like ramped and raved about me and uh, he, he said that I became this person without him and that actually, he believed in God, but he wasn't like a deep follower, but that was one of the things that turned him into um, believing in God and focusing on God being the father. And so it was just, for me, it was this big picture of God slowly moving in my heart because I was really silent to everything. But when God got a hold of me and was able to speak to me, he taught me that I needed to, rev to have reverence. I, need I needed to respect. I needed to honor my father. I needed to love him in the same way that I love another person on the street because I wasn't. And he had given me life. Well, when you mentioned that, and it sounds like you initiated the repair of the relationship, yeah. would that have happened if you wouldn't have initiated that? I don't think so. Um, I mean, God works and does what he's going to do, um, with or without us sometimes. Um, but I think it helped me 
more than I, in this situation, more than I feel like it helped my dad. And it was really, God was repairing me. He was fixing me because I was broken because of that situation. And we always say like, you know, a girl needs her dad. It's so important. It's super, um, it's like one of the top things on the list <laughs> that a girl needs, that they need their dad because they need to know how to be treated, how they are going to be loved, how to be taken care of. And sometimes we don't see that. And when you don't, you take anything. And that's really what it was. I was taking anything. And so it was through all of that was really preparing, repairing me. And then in the process, repairing like my sisters and our relationship. And we grew up almost essentially together, even though I was an adult already. But we have such a great bond where they call on me when they need me. And I don't feel like any of that would have happened if I wouldn't have taken the step forward mm -hmm. and realized that it, this was bigger than me. It was bigger than him. It was bigger than us. And we needed to kind of like step up and do the hard stuff. There are people watching today <laughs> that may still be in that position where that relationship with mom and dad, um, it's just not there. Yeah. It, it hasn't been there. We don't feel like we're in a position to even be willing to forgive. Not forgiving, just mm -hmm. be willing to forgive. What advice or direction would you give somebody who's still in that in that phase um, with their parents? You know, uh, you said it in your sermon um, when you had <laughs> that first initial statement and then you made all the little points to it about you don't need to love. Um, and I, at first I was like, yes, you do. <laughs> but I get what you're saying and it, it does start somewhere and you've got to start at some point. Um, and I think the utmost part of it is as Christians, before anything as Christians, we're called to a purpose. Um, we are fully forgiven. We are fully um, in God's love. We are fully redeemed. We have all of our spots that we still are putting on ourselves every day are still getting redeemed and God's still blessing us and he's still loving us. He's still holding us close. And we have a, a charge or a, a command to go out and do the same things that we've received. And then I think like remembering that, um, that helped me remembering or, or recognizing that I love God. And so in order for me to love God, I also must love those that are around me. And I must also treat them like God and see them how God sees them, even in their faults and in their wrongs. And so that was what I think really, really helped is that focusing on that part and remembering like, yeah, he's probably going to do something stupid tomorrow, but I'm going to forgive that and we're going to move forward. Um, I think we, it teaches us, it teaches us everything, you know, and David, that second song really got me because he says to honor me in all things. It's, it's not whatever we choose. And so this may be difficult. This may be hard. Being a Christian isn't easy. We've got hard stuff that we have to do sometimes. And I think remembering what God has called us to and remembering that it's not supposed to be easy because it's worth it. Um, and just kind of pushing forward and keep going. Every day, it will get easier. Um, every conversation will get better. Every, start with a text message. Start with an email. Start with a fa Facebook post. Start somewhere and maybe speak about something not so heated and speak about something that you guys can get along with. Or like I said, I call my dad about cars and ask him, I'm having a problem with my car. I got locked out of my car one time and I called him. He came over and he broke into my car um, 
and he got he got my keys out. <laughs> but like it was little things like that. Like I didn't bash him or say anything or like, oh, get you got that from prison because it's like know. starting somewhere yeah. safe. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Start somewhere safe yeah. and don't make it negative. Yeah. If even if it can be. Thanks for telling your story today. You're welcome. We really appreciate it. We know that there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of people who are from have broken homes. Maybe we grew up in a broken home. Yeah. It starts somewhere. It starts with us. It's not yeah. up to the next generation to fix this. It's up to us. Amen. Will you pray with us? Yeah. Lord, I just want to thank you for this time today to come together. And I thank you for just time to worship. And as a church, that, that we can come here on, on Facebook and on YouTube and, and gather in your name. Yes. And Lord, we thank you for these commandments and these relationship prescriptions that you've given to us. Lord, I just ask for you to just soften our hearts when it comes to these hard relationships with our, with our parents. And Lord, I'd ask you to help us soften our hearts, maybe when it comes to the hard relationships with our kids who might be in that situation right now where they haven't called us in a long time. Maybe it's time for us to make that first step in offering grace. Lord, I, I thank you for exampling grace for us so that we can turn and be that example of grace for others. Lord, we thank you for the words that you've given to us and the direction that you've given to us and how to manage relationships. Lord, we just pray that you just be with us as we try and repair yes. these relationships that have gone so far wrong. But Lord, thank you for the example and showing us that in repairing earthly relationships that we can bring others into your kingdom. Yes, Lord. Lord, as we continue with worship, we thank you. And as we continue in fellowship, we thank you. And as we continue in your presence, we thank you. And we love you and we praise you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.